Geekade is hitting the road again, and there's going to be plenty of opportunities to meet up with us in person in the coming months. Why would you want to do that? I think the better question is, why wouldn't you? Our first stop is at ACBC, that's the Atlantic City Boardwalk Con, May 13th through 15th at the Atlantic City Convention Center in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Evan, Dean, and Matt from the Paper Cuts podcast will be there, as will I, Chris from the Stone Age Gamer podcast, uh, be joining them too. We will all be walking the show floor and going, giving interviews and high fives to everyone that we meet, whether they want us to or not. Then, Brandon and Travis from Apathetic Enthusiasm will be at the amazing Hawaii Comic Con, May 20th to the 22nd at the Hawaii Convention Center. They provided some excellent coverage last year, and it seems likely that they will be doing the same thing this year, unless they decide to intentionally provide bad coverage. But that doesn't seem like them. Does it? Uh, maybe, I don't know. Hopefully not. Anyway, if you are in the Hawaii area, make sure you seek them out. Then, we're off to Too Many Games, June 24th to the 26th at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center with the Stone Age Gamer Podcast. Not only will they be gallivanting about the show floor and hanging out at the StoneAgeGamer.com booth, but they might just have a few other tricks up their sleeve as well. TMG is one heck of a show, and, a, and good gaming fun is promised to everyone who enters. Next stop is Garden State Comic Fest, July 9th through the 10th at Menon Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. This is Geek Aid's biggest show with many of our writers, podcasters, and video talent on hand. If it's comic-related, it's going to be there. Plus, the Paper Cuts podcast will be continuing their annual panel tradition. If you've ever seen these shows, you know that things get... kind of weird. But in a fun way. More details on this one are coming soon. But that's just the first leg of our tour. Keep your eyes open on geekade.com for all of our latest stops, as well as all new original content. We post every single day. Episode 3 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We are your hosts, Dave. And Jengiz. And we are hosted on GeekAid.com. What's your geek? Episode 3, man. Yeah. Uh, I just want to start. So we always say, what's your geek? What is your geek? Because my geek is magic, dungeons, and dragons, and board <laughs> games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, me too. Yeah. I like video games too, but that's not this <clears throat> podcast. <laughs> so I would say... Uh, Starting with Magic, we should talk about the fact that we went to a tournament recently. Yes, we did. Uh, this tournament was held at Montclair State University, and mm. while we were at the tournament... Go Red Hawks? Red Hawks. <laughs> and, yeah, as we, we heckled the Red Hawk. <laughs> um, that's a, another story. The tournament was a sealed... We got six packs. It was all Oath of the Gate Watch. Yes. And in Which the six... Th- oh, well, you know, you knew more about it than I did. Or do we both... Or uh, did you go into it kind of like almost blind to... In it? terms of the set? Yeah. I mean, I knew about the set. Okay. Um, 
not I didn't have I didn't have any strategies beforehand. I never do. I mean, a sealed is like yeah. you get what you get and you run with it. But uh, yeah, so we went into it and we opened up our initial packs mm-hmm. and I pulled the new Chandra, yes, which was awesome. Um, I really do think that she is by far the best Chandra um, to ever exist in magic she is currently the top the cream of the crop when it comes to standard aggro decks good good she's gonna her value is only going to increase from here good <laughs> um so i pulled a chandra and then yes and then in my packs uh so for the zendikar block uh for the what was it return uh, to return zendikar. to zendikar block um they did what are called expedition cards uh, these cards were lands that were from previous sets, uh, but came back and were legal for this <laughs> the current format. And the one I got was a strip mine. So, is it tap one and tap it, or is it tap? <laughs> it's just tap it, sacrifice it, okay. destroy target land. All right, yeah, and um, so you know that's pretty strong in a limited format. So I, I put it in my deck, but that's like a thirty dollar card right there, especially because it's an expedition format. It's it's a foil, it's full art, it's fancy. Uh, so it fetches a, a nifty price. So both of us made pretty good amount. Mine was a, actually no, mine was a sixty dollar card at the time, and Chandra was twenty, I think, at the time. So you know that was that was the beginning of the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we went throughout the tournament and I mean, it was, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to say how you did? Yeah. I think I, it was two and two. Yep. Yep. And I was two wins, two losses. I was technically, <laughs> I mean, okay. So Collusion. I'll just explain. <laughs> yeah. So I went, my first game, I went two and oh, so I won my mm-hmm. second game. I went two and one. I won again. My third game, I went two and one. I won again. I was running Boros Aggro, mm-hmm. Ally Aggro, which <clears throat> with the cards I had were perfect. And, you know, most people were running slower games with what they were doing because this is a lot Eldrazi heavy, you know, um, high mm-hmm. mana costs. Exactly. So I was running low cost Boros. I just pulled the right cards. And then if I got out that Chandra, it was just like cleanup time. Uh, so after the first three games, now in this tournament, we. It definitely should have been a five-round tournament because <laughs> in the fourth round, there were four people who were undefeated, myself being one of them. Yeah. Um, so technically, there should have been a fifth round, so the two last to be undefeated competed for first place. But with time constraints and everything else, they decided to make it a four-round tournament. So in my last round, I was facing a friend of mine, and as we were... Facing each other before we even started playing, I said, "You know, look, I've gone two and one mm-hmm. twice in the past two rounds. You know what I mean? It's two and one, two and one. Uh, I want to make a deal." And he was like, "Well, what are you proposing?" And I was like, "Well, I really want to go home with a lot of packs, and there's a lot of packs up for grabs." I said, "So instead of risking getting first um, or possibly second, because you know there's another undefeated person." Uh, or, or on the other hand, getting knocked back to possibly like yeah. seventh or something. <laughs> I said, why don't we make a deal here? If you know, if one of us wipes the floor with the other one, we go two and zero. Oh, that's it. But if we go one and one before we play the third game, we just call it a split, and that way we both become higher ranking than whoever loses that other undefeated game, <laughs> and then we split the packs of second and third yeah. place. Um, and he was like, sure. 
And sure enough, he won the first. I won the second. Right there, we called it a split. And then we decided that in in case packs were uneven, like if the total amount of packs for second and third place, say, were like 21, mm-hmm. who would get that 11th pack? And so we decided we would play out our last game, and I did win that game. <laughs> so I would have gone 2-1, and one, potentially. I mean, butterfly effect kind of in here as well. There's also that sort of idea that I was playing in a way where I was in that third game where I felt safer. Yeah. I was more calm. You know, my nerves might have gotten yeah. to me more if I if more was up for grabs and on the line. So I can't really say whether or not I would have won had yeah. we not split. Yeah. But all I am saying is that I did actually win that game. So I was technically, um, you know, if you count the the full games, I was technically undefeated at the tournament, which was great. <laughs> technically. Um, and then I opened a crap ton of packs and, and pulled two more of those damn Chandras. <laughs> and thus he was crowned luckiest man of them all. Right. He <laughs> um, walked away with also $60 worth of cards and then some. <laughs> which was great. And then, you know, adding them to the collection and, you know, using more of the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, I can't believe how awesome that was that, uh, <laughs> That I, I I did that. Um, now those of you at home who may be listening to this and be like, "Oh, that's a great idea! I want to do that the next big tournament I go to." Don't, because if anyone ever catches you, you're disqualified because that's technically collusion. <laughs> yeah, that is that is technically collusion. You, um, you cannot predetermine the outcome of the match with your opponent before even playing. Right. And um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, most hobby shops people. Yeah, people care, are cool, but I wouldn't go We're to like, about a, like a GP. Yeah, don't go to the like a PTQ. Just just try and try and do your best to just you know, um, win. Really, yeah. that's it. Uh, so anyway, Winning would be nice. Tournament news aside, Shadows over in Estrad finally came out. Yes, it did. And we had some predictions uh, when the spoilers were just <laughs> really fresh and there wasn't much else to them. And, and Jenks and I sort of hit it on the nail here. Hit the <laughs> hit the head, nail on the head. Um, I called that Arlen Karn or whatever her name Arlen is. Arlen Cord. Cord. Uh, I said Arlen would be green, red. Yes, and, you did. And a werewolf. And we, we talked about <laughs> it, and it happened. And she was. Um, she flips and everything. And here's the thing, though. Jengis, <laughs> though he was talking about her at the time, had mentioned that he thought she was going to be red-white. Mm-hmm. Because he had a feeling there would be some sort of red white Boros planeswalker, and sure enough, there was there was a brand was, new Nahiri. Yes, Nahiri. so we pretty much got those uh, jilted lover. <laughs> um, overall, I like the Shadows over Innistrad set. I like it too. It's a lot of solid cards. Um, really fun and limited. A lot more fun than I thought it would be, just because a lot of the transforming uh, plays really well. You can make a you can actually make a deck with all transforming cards and. It could work because of certain certain cards that are in play. Um, mm-hmm. Like one one I I, uh, I should say I played in a Shadows over Innistrad uh, pre-release tournament. Uh, I went two and two again. <laughs> I just can't. Uh, when I win, I place too high. And anyways, <laughs> um, but you know, I made a deck with it was a red green because it's the only colors I know how to play. Red green uh, werewolf deck. Uh, but there was a card, uh, I, I don't remember the name of the card off the top of my head. It was an artifact where it's a one-drop artifact, and it costs one to equip, 
or something like that, and it just gives your creature a plus one, plus one. But if the creature transforms, it transforms too, and it gives your creature plus four, plus four, and a whole bunch of other goodies. Yeah. So it's like, and it doesn't transform back, so it's like, you know, if you get it out early, equip it early, you get a really nasty creature early on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, speaking of which, there's that one, there's that land. Yeah, the uh, Abbey, I forget the... Westvale Abbey, I believe. Is yeah, the name Westminster of it. Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> Downtown, um, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey, the cod. Um, uh, damn, man. Yeah, that was a... I, I actually... Uh, I used land removal to kill it because I was so afraid of it. <laughs> it is so awesome. I mean, that thing flips. It's monstrous. Yeah. Um, I, I actually want to use it in a standard deck because, right. like, it's a beast. And, like, if you're making tokens... Why not keep it? Because you can sack things and get a freaking nasty creature out that they have to exile yep. because or make you sacrifice. Because it's indestructible. Yeah. Um, speaking of indestructible, brand new Avacyn, Avacyn 3.0. Avacyn 3.0. Uh, 1.0 was great. I love I love original Avacyn the best. Mm-hmm. Still, I think it's the, one of the <coughs> of most course. ridiculous cards. It's OP as hell. <laughs> uh, you know, flying, vigilance, indestructible, mm-hmm. makes everything else indestructible. Like, that, that card is just... Perfect. Um, Avacyn 2.0 was crap. (laughs) (laughs) Avacyn 2.0, I don't even remember what she did. I just remember looking at her and being like, this is dumb. 3.0, I think, has potential. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, it's weird because of her colors. She's... And how I'd want to use her. Yeah. Um, in a, in not an EDH format, or like, but in like standard, she's really strong. Just because, like, she does, like, give everything you have, you know, indestructible when she comes out. And then she flips and does, like, a yeah. small pseudo flashes. red wipe. Yeah. yeah. Which is, like, really strong and, like, standard because, like, the, yeah. the power level's not as, like... But that's not, like, <laughs> if I were to use her... I mean, granted, I don't play standard. I'm, I'm thinking more of a commander sense here. But in general, like, in any deck I'd want to use her in, I'd want to make the most of that ability. Mm-hmm. And I'd probably want to run Blink. Yeah. I'd just want to have a blink blinking. engine to blink her back in, get her flipped, blink her back, and when she comes back in, she's white again. She saves everything, makes mm-hmm. everything indestructible, you know, and then and then just kind of just rehash that idea. But the problem is... There's no red-white blink. There's, there's, there's <laughs> white blink, but the problem with the white blink is most of it, like, ghost away, or in, even in Shadows Over Innistrad, the new ghost away. Um, mm-hmm. the, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it allows you to select the creatures that you want to blink. They blink until end of turn. Yeah. So you can't control the timing of the blink. I mean, so, that's just that's just wizards adjusting the power creep. Like. Right. <laughs> but it's just like I would love to run something similar to the Mist Meadow Witch that blinks immediately, like blink mm-hmm. come back, and then just have her constantly blinking and flipping and doing ridiculous things. Yeah. Um, She's pretty expensive right now. I think I was just I was looking at because I want to. I want to start trying to get, do standard, um, and I was looking at prices of cards, and it's like, it's nasty. Standard, <laughs> standard. listen, all the power to you, man. Standard <laughs> is great, but standard is definitely a money sink. Oh, yeah. And if you're listening to this cast right now, if you play standard, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, I personally, I discourage people from, from playing standard. I say play commander. It'll keep you in the game longer, I think, mm-hmm. money-wise. You know, you'll have more money to spend on cards that you want. The cards are timeless. Like, there's... 
There's a better advantage, in my opinion, to playing Commander. Also, it's Singleton. I mean, Standard, I get the appeal, but, I mean, Standard is Wizards' way of making their money mm -hmm. because it requires you to buy the newest cards, and if you want to win, usually that requires buying some of the most expensive cards out there, and it's usually not just one copy. It's two to four copies of the cards you have somewhere in the, a playset or something you know, in your deck. So it's really, it becomes a money sink. Like, you're, you could be on the top of the game with your deck in standard for a couple months, and then due to some crazy rotation of blocks, all yeah. of a sudden half your deck is no good, and you have to go get more cards. <laughs> I'm trying not to pull from uh, cons of Dark Gear. Yeah. <laughs> because I know that's going to, once the Eldritch Moon comes out, that's going to... It's going to rotate out. Okay. Yep. And uh, I don't know. I just, that's why standard is, it's rough for me. Like, if I happen to pull enough cards in a box or if I go to a, a limited tournament of some sort and I happen to be able to make a standard deck, great. But I, in my opinion, if I'm going to play a 60-card magic game, I would play most likely modern. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that modern isn't also a money sink, but I feel like modern is, is the... It is the... Um, <laughs> best of a bad situation. Mm -hmm. Because legacy... Is ruled Stupid by the power expensive. nine. Yeah, you have to have power nine for and legacy. dual lands and everything else. <laughs> um, standard is just constant swapping out money sink, mm -hmm. but modern is at least consistent. Yeah. Um, while the gamescape changes, and that may cause your deck to kind of the strength of it to have to be tweaked or worked. You like your cards themselves once you have them, unless a modern band comes out. <laughs> Talk about that in a second. Um, Unless a modern ban happens, for the most part, you know that your cards will be able to stick around and you can continue playing your deck. Like, I have a modern elves deck, yeah, um, which is pretty good, but actually the deck I, I run more if I play modern is I have a modern mill deck. I bet you do. Uh, <laughs> when I play 60-card magic, mill is my... Is, that's my mill ticket. Yeah. Um, my mill ticket. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I do think that mill is just a fun, unexpected way to win. Right, <clears throat> right now, my mill deck might be slightly weakened mm -hmm. by the fact that Eldrazi rules the landscape, and there are a good number of Eldrazi that will recycle their graveyards back into their decks. Mm -hmm. I have contingencies for that in the deck, but I mean, my mill deck is running... I run Surgical Extraction, so that's that one black... Or it's Phyrexian mana, so you can also pay mm -hmm. two life for it, instant speed, exile something from the graveyard and all copies of it from the person's deck and hand, like, just get rid yeah. of it. So I run stuff like that in there to take care of that situations like that. And for the most part, it's a solid mill deck. And the reason I'm bringing up my mill modern deck is because this new mill card came out in Shadows Over Innistrad that I really like. Um, it's four, two blue and two colorless. And I can't think of the name of it right now. The cards are too new for Jenks, and I just sort of remember the exact <laughs> names. Um, but I do know that it, it makes you mill 13 cards. So similar to Archive Trap in terms of number oh of cards. <laughs> um, but there's no, there's no alternate casting cost. However, then when it goes into your graveyard, there's another ability that allows it to transform and come back onto the battlefield as a creature. It's like a 1-1 one -one creature. And... Whenever it deals, I don't, I, I, can it be? Is it unblockable? I don't remember, but I, I remember that if it deals combat damage to a player, you get to like return the card to your hand. So essentially, <laughs> it's a mill card with an easy way. Of, well, not an easy, but 
some way of recursion. Mm-hmm. And 13 cards to mill and to recur, That's great. A lot. <sighs> but I mean, I'm running that. I'm one copy of that for now just to test the waters. I'm running Mind Funerals, Snapcaster Mages, mm-hmm. um, Archive Trap, obviously, Memoricide, Surgical Extraction oh to get rid God. of those cards. Um, <laughs> and then a really nice one, I believe, is called Crypt Incursion. Crypt Incursion? Something of that nature. It's a. One black, two colorless, and it allows me to exile all creatures from target opponent's graveyard, and then I gain, I think it's like two life for every creature exiled this way. So in a mill deck, if you're trying to figure out a way to stay alive when your opponent is like slamming you with aggro, you're milling, (laughs) and then you just gain a bunch of life and mill some more. Having like PTSD of like your (laughs) mill decks when we played like, we played standard back in the day. I did. It's I, like, I, I loved was, my mill decks. Oh, it makes me so sad. So all my creatures go into the graveyard. Mill, I find, has <laughs> mill has the same stigma as land destruction does in some ways, I feel. Because it's like, you know, there are these... There are these... Just people don't like it. Yeah, people just don't it's, like it's it. It's not a satisfying way for them to lose. Right. And they <laughs> and I'm just like, listen, it's it's just part of the it's game. It's part of the game. Yeah. You kind of just have to deal. That's like it's in the game for a reason. Yeah, obviously. and you have to either figure out a way to get around it, mm-hmm. or your deck wasn't strong enough. I'm sorry, I wouldn't get by. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that might seem kind of like harsh, but it's it's something that I've had to kind of come to terms with as well because <laughs> um, there's this. Land destructions in particular, I used to really hate. That yeah. was the thing that I hate. The way that people hate mill, I hated land destruction. In, especially in Commander. And- especially in Commander. Because I just always felt like you're you're nerfing me. Like you're taking me out of the game. Like I can't do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And I used to like hate it. I used to be like, no, it's cheap. You should Nobody should run it. But then <laughs> as, I, as I sort of matured and like looked at it critically, I thought, you know what? It's, it's in the game for a reason. It's not like it was there and then stopped and people are, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like the Power 9 Syndrome where all of a sudden there were these cards and then Wizards was like, you know what, this is too powerful, let's yeah. not do this again. Like, land destruction is a thing. Yeah. It is a thing, and if you can't deal with it or get around it, mm-hmm. then you really need to either man up and, and find a way, and find a way or, or just stop playing Magic because, like, <laughs> that it... Don't don't get bitter just because someone plays a way you don't like. So I I feel like and I and I feel like Mill gets a lot of that bad rep too. Mm-hmm. You know, but overall, I mean, Shadows over Innistrad. Um, yeah, I mean, I like uh, it. Some good cards came out of gets, it. Gets me excited. It got me excited to play Standard again, and so I'm more interested to figure out what Eldritch Moon is going to be about. Um, huh. I mean, that goes. I mean, have you read any of the uh, lore articles for uh, Shadows over Innistrad? No. Uh, I have. And it's great. <laughs> it's like, Nahiri is so angry at Soren. And it's like, because Soren didn't come. Because he made an absent and passed out for a long time. And then when she had to defend her, you know, plane against the Eldrazi coming back, she, he didn't come. So she came to his plane. And from what it seems is she's drawing some entity to the plane to kind of like that's what the that's what the rumor mill is yeah yeah you know the entity's name Emrakul the Aeon's <laughs> that's what that's what I was thinking and I'm like I I I mean 
part the reason I hope that there's Eldrazi in Eldritch Moon is because I want to make a green Eldrazi deck for standard and more Eldrazi cards would be great. But it's like I don't think they'll do it just because they did it in the previous set and it's like I do think Emrakul will be in mm-hmm. Eldritch Moon. I do. I really do. But I do also think that what Emrakul will be in what form Emrakul will be will will be interesting. My prediction, we're going to throw out another one of these and we'll see if I'm right again. <laughs> um, I probably won't be because there's no basis for this. But if I, I'm just thinking like, what would I do if I were making Emrakul again mm-hmm. with the new mechanics that have come out in recent times? And the best idea that I could think of is a progenitus style Emrakul so it takes a lot of colored mana, all five colors, but typed, colored. But typed as Devoid. <laughs> because Devoid colored Eldrazi are a thing. Yes, true. Just like you just said, you wanted to make a green Eldrazi deck. There are Eldrazi that are green, but they're typed as Devoid. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how interesting would it be if Emrakul was like, like, maybe not the exact same casting cost as Progenitus, but for this example, like what if he was 10, two of each color, yeah, be but, typed, cool. <laughs> but, but typed as Devoid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I just thought, and like, what would his abilities be? Like, I thought that was just that was just interesting. Like, he has just ingested so much of all this the, crap. The that, mana in the in the aether between the twisted aether between the planes. And it's like, and, and so he's got like <laughs> this like weird. His entity has changed, but he's still technically considered this disorder, this colorless, mm-hmm. devoid thing. I feel like I don't know. I feel like that wouldn't be. That wouldn't be how Wizards want to go with it. I think they'll keep him colorless. Oh, I hope not. Um, I but hope they do it, because none of the others were. None of the others were typed as, you know, as color. None, none of the other big guys had color. Mm-hmm. And they introduced the idea of it. Yeah. And I feel like if you if you have this idea, like, I, I was shocked that they didn't have a big and oh, be a You would be cool is if he was, if he was colored... <laughs> This would be the ultimate, like, what is if he was colored when he was summoned, but he has a transform mechanic, and he transforms into a colorless creature. Yeah. Like, not like a devoid creature, but a straight-up colorless creature. Huh. And, like, he gets, like, super crazy abilities. Like, maybe, like, Emrakul sleeping, and then Emrakul awoken, or something like that. Or now that they've, like, you know, even if they... Another idea I was thinking based on that would be, like, imagine... um so the you know Westvale Abbey or Westminster Abbey, um, Westminster Abbey. That's funny. <laughs> I'm gonna keep that joke in the back pocket. Um, you know, it's a land that turns into a, transforms into this ridiculous creature. Like maybe it's like you know an enchantment, and it says like you know a it's called like a breach in the plains, mm-hmm. and you just see like one of Emrakul's tentacles coming through, mm-hmm. and it does something, and then and it's colored to play it, and then yeah, when it transforms, I think that would be cool. That'd be that awesome. would be cool. I hope it did. I hope that prediction comes true. That'd be awesome. I hope I want transforming Eldrazi. That'd be so weird. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm saying like I couldn't. I don't know if I can necessarily see the creature like himself transforming, but I could see them doing something like, like I said, it, it's not a creature at first and trans. And you know, and all of a sudden he just. I want it to be five different cards, and then when you <laughs> when you have them in your hand, you win. <laughs> You just I summon Exodia. <laughs> oh no! Don't even don't even go there. So yeah, all in all, Shadows over Innistrad. Yeah, good uh, set. Good set. Solid start. The yeah. art is fantastic. Oh, yeah. If you are an art buff, I highly recommend you check out the art of Shadows over Innistrad. Um, moving forward, we have 
we're going to talk about the new uh, modern bands. I mentioned it earlier when I was saying about modern decks and modern bands, but we knew something needed to happen when we last discussed... Because Eldrazi were running rampant. Right, because Eldrazi, like, as in the story, apparently, <laughs> so too in real life, um, Eldrazi were just going nuts in too the fast modern. too strong and like they just won most games right so wizards just went like we have to slow this down somehow and what's the what's the best way to slow it down but not to hamper the decks they didn't want to destroy they didn't want people to not make these decks because that's you know they want to promote fun right in some way exactly um so what they was like you know I think they were between two different cards. It was either, uh, oh my god, Eldrazi Temple. El, uh, it was the, the Eldrazi Temple. Eldrazi Temple, or the card that was banned, Eye of Ugin. Eye of Ugin, yep. Yeah. And they felt like Eye of Ugin was the more powerful of the two that, you know, that gave them, that gave more of the speed than Eldrazi Temple did. Eldrazi Temple helps. They're still going to be, you know, modern Eldrazi decks that play Eldrazi Temple mm-hmm. because it gets them out faster, but I have Ugin definitely was like, you know, that was the card to to speed the the whole thing up. Right. And uh Eldrazi Temple, I mean, on its own, is fine. It's just, you know, you can add two colors mana to spend it on Eldrazi spells. I think what made I of Ugin so ridiculously powerful is that you get to cast Eldrazi at two less, but in addition, its other ability is not limited to Eldrazi. Its other ability reads seven, tap, and search your library for a colorless creature card. That includes artifacts. And I feel like that second ability, in addition to the first, was really just, like, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's definitely, you know, a band-worthy card. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, and- uh, what was interesting, they didn't stop there. There wasn't just the banning, there were unbannings. Two unbannings, <laughs> actually. Which, uh, just, you know, I guess to diversify the pool a little bit more, they, they brought back some niche, not niche cards, but like staples of certain decks, um, that they felt were okay to unban because these cards were part of larger combos, but the other halves of the combos were banned. So it's like, well, we can just bring these cards back. Right. <laughs> um, one of them being Ancestral Vision, which is a fantastic card. Um, it has Suspend and allows you to, after I think it's Suspend 4, um, and it's one mana, one blue mana to Suspend it. And when it finally becomes unsuspended, you get to draw three cards. Or technically, target player gets to draw three cards. I wouldn't run Vision in a mill deck, but yeah, you could use it that way. Um, But the thing about Ancestral Vision that made it so powerful the first time around when they did ban it, I believe, was because of Cascade. Mm -hmm. Cascade, if I believe I'm right on this, Cascade circumvented the suspend mechanic. So... Things like Bloodbraid Elf would oh, go into Ancestral Vision, <laughs> and it'd be like, oh man, like you get a hasted 3 2 crazy elf creature, and you're drawing three cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bloodbraid got banned and hasn't been unbanned. And <laughs> I think it never be unbanned. Right. And I think <laughs> the, the current Cascade cards in Modern are like nothing to really. Like, could you still do that combo with Ancestral Vision? Yeah, but it's nothing so brutally... As, like, the, bro- the Bloodbraid combo, right. which was really what 
brought it home. Exactly. And then they also unbanned Sword of the Meek, um, which is whenever a 1-1 creature comes into play under your control, you can return Sword of Meek from your graveyard to play and attach it to that creature. This um, was for a Thopter Foundry type deck. And right. Because Thopter Foundry is banned, it's okay to bring it back. Exactly. <laughs> um, so great that those cards are back. I mean, Ancestral Vision, if I wasn't running... Like I said, I would not run it in a mill deck, but if I was running something else, I might run Vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, three cards is great. Yeah. Um, I probably would be the person that would run Cascade if I was running Vision. Something like an Ardent Plea blue-white control deck. You're a big fan of Cascade. I liked Cascade, <laughs> and I also liked Exalted, and Ardent Plea was like the best of both worlds with that mm-hmm. um, at the time. But I don't think I don't think there's any deck that I could make with that right now that would overcome the current winners mm-hmm. and crazy competitive decks in, in modern. I mean, you'd be surprised just a lot of times, like, a modern deck is good because no one thinks about it anymore, and they, uh, you know, it's it comes out of left field. People don't have a sideboard for it. They're like, you know, they, they played in a meta, and the meta wasn't the deck you play, so it's like, oh, whoa, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not ready for this. Right. You know? Yeah, but... God only knows. Uh, modern. It's a different beast, beast altogether. Yeah. But all in all, I mean, cool. Yeah. I have Ugin gone. We'll see if it if it does its job. Mm-hmm. See how the gamescape kind of changes from here on out. And, you know, in one month's time, I'm sure we'll bring this up again and be like, hey, look, it worked. Eldrazier, <laughs> now I'm able to be defeated. Or we'll be like, hey, look, it did nothing. Please. <laughs> Toppy top is still all Eldrazi deck. <laughs> Please help us, wizards. Please help us now. Uh, <laughs> the only thing that can combat this unbanned Bloodbraid elf. <laughs> <laughs> bring back the Bloodbraid. Uh, that would be funny. <laughs> so, we always talk about Commander. It's kind of like our thing. Uh, and... I wanted to sort of bring up because I we had a I had a get together here at my house. Um, it was a bunch of <clears throat> our friends together, and we played a big commander game. And we play in a huge multiplayer style. Now, the specific format is kind of what I wanted to talk about, just to sort of introduce it to people, uh, especially if you want to play commander with a large group. I highly recommend this format. It's a format that I learned at. Wild Pigs mm-hmm. um, in Kenilworth, New Jersey, which is a great hobby shop if you ever want to visit. And we had gone there for a tournament, yeah. and they taught us this format called Cowboy. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've ever played the board game, Bang, Bang. <laughs> uh, it is essentially that, but in a Magic Commander style. Um, I'll explain the format. It is you get a roll similar to other, you know, identity games where you have to kind of figure out who is what. Like, mm-hmm. we talked about Avalon in our first episode. That we did. In a similar nature, in Cowboy, you get some sort of a role. The roles that are possible to get and, you know, the number of roles are established based on number of players. Mm-hmm. But there's always only one sheriff. Mm-hmm. There's always only one renegade. And then there's a certain number of deputies and outlaws based on the number of players in the game. You're dealt the, the the identity cards face down. Mm-hmm. We use mana. We use a, a white mana symbol for the sheriff. We use the blue mana symbol for the deputy. The black mana symbol for the outlaw, and the red mana symbol for the renegade. If you have the sheriff, mm-hmm. you flip it over, and you've showed that you are in fact the planes. You are the sheriff. Everyone else's identity is a secret until they are removed from the game. 
the win conditions of the game are as follows. So the sheriff and the deputies are on the same side, and the outlaws are on the on on the other side, and mm-hmm. then the renegade is on their own side. Um, <laughs> both side. Yeah, no side. And both sides, and all sides. Uh, the sheriff's and the deputy's goal are to kill the outlaws and the renegade. If all the outlaws and renegades are out of the game, the sheriff and the deputy wins. Mm-hmm. Even if deputies have been taken out, they still win. Yeah. The outlaw's goal is just to take out the sheriff. Even if there's deputies still alive, if the sheriff dies, the outlaws win. Mm-hmm. And then the renegades almost <laughs> nigh impossible job, but sometimes it has it happened. Does happen. Um is to be the last person standing. And the only way to f- to actually get that win condition is to kill the sheriff last. Because if the renegade kills the sheriff at any other point, the outlaw's win condition is fulfilled first, mm-hmm. and therefore the outlaws win. So there are points where the renegade has to fight both sides, and they have to try to kill deputies and outlaws without killing, you know, everybody and then stopping the outlaws from killing the so sometimes in in this format of magic, you could, you know, counter for someone else. So sometimes you'll have to counter a spell that might kill the sheriff to, to keep him alive or right. uh But here's the <laughs> thing is you are all everybody is still considered because you don't know what anybody ident- uh what anybody's identity is. Everyone is still considered an opponent. Mm-hmm. So if any of the cards read an opponent or each opponent, um, you, those are everybody in the game. And it, there, it, there is no ally. Mm-hmm. So if any of your cards have like a teammate listed, like the new teammate mechanic that came out, um, the surge stuff, like obviously was not applicable to this version of the game. Now, some additional rules that end up happening is um, obviously there's the multiplayer draw rule because there's obviously more than two people playing, which is standard for the first person to go. But the sheriff is always the first person to take the. They're always the first turn. Um, additionally, anytime anyone kills an outlaw when they reveal themselves after they've been after they've been you know taken out and they reveal themselves to be an outlaw, whoever dealt the killing blow or used the card that gave the killing effect, so mm-hmm. to speak. If it's not, you know, traditional damage death, uh, that person gets to collect what we call a bounty, which is they draw three cards. So sometimes, even if you're an outlaw, you might need an extra three cards to win the game for the outlaws, and your other <laughs> outlaw is just sitting there, and they're just, you know, take me out, and that's it, and you get the bounty. Um, Have you done that before? Purposely taking out another outlaw to draw cards? No. <laughs> I was about to say, like, no. that'd be cutthroat. No, I, I do that I do that kind of stuff in Avalon. In Avalon, if I'm a minion of Mordred, there will be times I will sell out another minion who's playing poorly or who they're, who they're on to just to look like a, a, a loyal servant. I haven't done the same thing in Cowboy Commander yet. But not to say that I wouldn't be opposed to it. All if right. I thought I could pull out a win for it, I would totally do it. <laughs> Sacrificing the lambs. Uh, so... To the lambs, with the lambs. That's a better phrase. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, point being is uh, the other optional rules that we kind of put in, or not optional, I should say, these are the rules of Cowboy Commander, are if a sheriff, the sheriff, ends up killing a deputy by accident, <laughs> they discard their hand as a penalty. So that's pretty brutal. Yeah. And then the only other thing to keep in mind is that the sheriff's life total, starting life total, is equal to 20 plus 10 times the number of players in the game. So you can stay alive a little bit longer. Right. So if you're playing with a total of seven people, 
the sheriff is going to start with 90 life. Um, because it would be 70 and then plus the initial 20. Does poison still kill him in 10? Poison still kills in 10. <laughs> and 21 com- uh, commander damage from any single commander is still killable on a sheriff. Wow. But the initial basic damage is higher just because otherwise the sheriff could be taken out. With like, you know. Super quick. Yeah. Um, Collateral damage. Right. <laughs> now, playing this format is not only fun, um, but it does a couple things. The first thing it does is it gets rid of, except for maybe in the beginning of the game, it gets rid of the majority of politics mm-hmm. in multiplayer magic. Yeah. One thing that people love or hate in multiplayer <laughs> magic is politics. Like, don't kill me. I didn't attack you last turn. Oh, yeah. he attacked you, and this and that. And then people argue for 20 minutes before a turn is even taken because mm-hmm. you know they just don't want to get swung on. In this format, in the beginning when nobody knows who anybody is, yeah, it's, so it's just free game. Right. It's, like it's you, just like <clears throat> ping this part. It's like pretty much it's don't hit the sheriff. Mm-hmm. You know, because unless you want to like... You, if you hit the sheriff, you're clearly an outlaw. Right. So <laughs> like, you know, clearly like that, you, why would you, you know, everybody's a deputy in the beginning of the game. Everybody's a little servant of Arthur. <laughs> um, but I find that the game like... Gar, sheriff? <laughs> <laughs> I'm your loyal deputy. Her here. I'm going to summon this creature. Don't remove it. <laughs> I summon Ulamog. Don't worry. It's not swinging your way. Next turn, I swing your way, your sheriff. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> but... Gotcha good. <laughs> damn dirty outlaw. <laughs> the, uh... What's great is not only the politics kind of get subdued, but I find that for the most part, in terms of a large multiplayer game, because a large single pl- like I shouldn't say single player but the, a large every person for themselves commander magic game takes stupid amounts of time Forever. hours hours <laughs> hours you, it's very rare to have a single I, I keep saying single um, a multiplayer every person for themselves commander game not take at least a minimum of two to three hours to play mm-hmm. cowboy commander can take longer depending on the decks in play but I've had a, a Cowboy Commander game take 20 minutes, and it had nine or ten people in it. Mm-hmm. And that was just because an outlaw, specifically that time around, it was me, pulled out a combo with the commander and got the commander damage they needed. You know, you Voltron up and attack and swing, and it just happens mm-hmm. to and work no one out. no can do anything about it. Right, because it was a very early game. Um, so that's another great, hugely beneficial part to playing Cowboy Commander is the fact that you, the amount of games you can play in a night or in a certain amount of time with friends is increased over the amount of time it takes to play any other format. And we've tried other formats. We've tried every person for themselves. We've tried, you know, just two teams, like dividing mm-hmm. it up one team and the other team. Uh, we've tried two-headed giant where there's multiple two-headed giants on the table. We've tried three-headed giants. We've tried arch enemy. We've tried plane chase. We've tried every <laughs> combination of things we can get to, but we've just sort of just decided that Cowboy is the way to go. It's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do get to pick your deck after your identity. Because obviously some decks are suited for... <laughs> a group hug outlaw. Yeah. That's not going to I mean, maybe. <laughs> I guess. Because like, like I said, everything like... seems to just sort of disintegrate. What ends up happening inevitably in every game that I've played is it starts off where nobody knows who anybody is and everybody has speculations and this and that. And then all of a sudden, once someone thinks they're in prime position... They swing on the sheriff, mm-hmm. and then once they've outed themselves, it's very rare for the outlaws to not like come <laughs> once to their the aid. Guns are drawn. <laughs> yeah, it's just, so then, so then, pretty much the game just sort of really the only identity that really 
lasts as a secret is the renegade. Is the renegade. Yeah. Um, and even then, not always. But for the most part, that's the one that people are just like, who's the renegade? Mm-hmm. I love it. I love Cowboy Commander. It's great. Yeah. Super great. Um, Sorry I missed a couple games. No, no, it's fine. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I do think that if you are going to play Commander Magic in a large multiplayer format, check out Cowboy Commander. Solid. Uh, moving along. Uh, so that's it for Magic for this uh, this episode. We're going to move on to D&D. And the first thing we want to talk about is, uh, I believe, last uh, last episode you were talking about your what you thought Maestro would be, the new uh, R.A. Salvatore book in the Legend of Drizzt series. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, you know, you I believe you finished it I at this point. I did, in like two days. I mean, that's just, that's classic Dave, though. <laughs> like, that is... he, he, can, he breathes in the book, <laughs> and then <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I do, and I don't even know where I find the time. I like, I every little, every, every poop I take, every... <laughs> Every every bit of like every in between grading papers, lunch duty while I'm like teaching at school, like everything, every possible moment. Every time Dresden gets put down for a nap or he's asleep for the night, you know, it's like every moment I can take, I just go, read. I just read. I go, I just, I need to. So, um, do you want to go? Do you want to give like a spoiler free review? Or I you... probably would rather just give a spoiler review. Right, so spoiler alert! Super spoiler alert! <laughs> if, if you, you care about the uh, the, the Legend of Dritzt at know, all, uh, so you know, fast forward like a good uh, a good amount of time that yeah. we don't know because we yeah. haven't actually started talking yet. But fast forward, and if you hear the name Dritzt at all or <laughs> any other characters, you probably just haven't fast forwarded enough. <laughs> But anyways, so what did you think of Maestro? Uh, I the cover of Maestro is uh, Jarlaxel. Yes, it is with his fancy hat and everything. Oh yeah. Um, so this is a Jarlaxel book, sort of. I mean, he is definitely central, as we knew he would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say first off, Maestro was great. It was just great. It had me. There were parts of the book. That I, I I was hating in all the best ways. Like not hating <laughs> from a this is a bad book perspective. Hating is in I was like, why is this ha-? like? If you've ever read Game of Thrones, <laughs> and you 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 finish the book and you're like, wow, that Everybody's was a great dying. book, right? I don't want them to die exactly. And you're just like you're just like, why are these bad things happening? I hate this so much. Yet it's so compelling to read and it's so fantastic. So the trilogy. Is called Homecoming. Okay, makes right. sense. Yeah, and it's the idea that Dritzt is going to have to go back to Menzo Berenson. We talked about that with Archmage, mm-hmm. and when we last we left off, we said that in Archmage, the end, Gromp was tricked by Kimoriel, and Demogorgon is now walking in the Underdark. Mm-hmm. Well, this book picks up right pretty much there, <laughs> um, and it is it is about Jarlaxel. Jar, excuse me, Jarlaxel as a as the maestro, you know, he is the conductor. You know, the or- as as I as I heard in that Jobs movie that came out, you know, <laughs> the musicians play the instruments and the conductor plays the orchestra. Uh. And like that is definitely the 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 maestro flavor. Um Demogorgon's running rampant in the underdark, as well as possibly other demon lords. Mm-hmm. The houses of Menzo Baranzon are just going crazy. There's power shifts. Um all the while, Gromf ended up having a, a daughter in the last book, an Archmage. He had a daughter 
um, and this daughter with an, with a woman from another house, and this daughter ended up being a chosen Candles. of Wolf. Oh, what? Yep. <laughs> and in the last book, I should mention, um, they brought in an Ithalid that had been Ithalid, Ithalid, Ithalid. Yes, okay. a mind flayer. Yes, that had been a a longtime character as an ally to the Underdark. Um, and Methyl is his name. And they had Methyl. Methyl had absorbed. So way back in the day, <laughs> in when they were first going for Mithril Hall and the first time that they had this big Underdark war, uh, Brunor Battlehammer took his axe and slammed it right in the middle of the skull of... Methyl? Uh, no, Yvonne Bonray, oh. who was the matron mother mother of Menzo Baranzon of the first house. You know, she was like the essential, like she's the she's, leader. She's, of she's the, the leader, drow. yeah, of the drow. She was like old as dirt, and Brunor killed her way back in the day in like book, I don't know, seven of the Dritzt series, which is now, I think Maestro is the 32nd book in the series. <laughs> so it was a long time ago. Methyl absorbed all of her mind into his psionic abilities. Then, in the last book, had given some of some of the... They called her Ivana the Eternal because um, she had lived for so long at that point mm-hmm. before she died. But Drow are normally long-lived. Yeah, but I mean, like, especially long for the Drow society because Drow live long in terms of a species of a race, mm-hmm. but in terms of who they are yeah. and just the murder... Like the nonstop, like the fact that she hasn't been murdered yet, right? Is, speaks was, to her power and her sta- status. Exactly, <laughs> and she, you know, is Grom's. She was Grom's mother. She was Jarlax's mother, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. Um, so, long story short, um, Methyl had imparted some of the memories of the Eternal into the current matron mother of Menzo Baranzon, who is Quenthel, who is the daughter of Ivanel, but. That were only some of her. Those were only some of her memories. Mm-hmm. It gave all of her mind, memories, thoughts to this baby of Grom. <laughs> so this this child begins knowing magic of some kind of Dune stuff going up. In it was here. it was nuts. <laughs> Long story short, uses time magic. See the Kisswatch Hadarak. <laughs> she she grows up. She becomes like twenty one almost instantly. Oh my god! Becomes gorgeous. She's a chosen of Lulth, so all drow that see her, they don't see her the same. She even has all these women come in and paint her. All of these high drow priestesses that have artistic ability come in and paint her. She's hanging up all these paintings, and people think that they're going to get slaughtered by her. They don't really know who she is. They just know she's a chosen. They don't realize she's like really running everything right now. But they paint her, and every painting is different. Like some have. Larger breasts, some have smaller breasts, some have white hair, some have blue hair, multicolored hair, mm-hmm. some of the eyes are larger, eyes are smaller. The reason is chaos. Be- yes, and because every drow <laughs> sees. Taking, taking. <laughs> well, no, that's that's it. But it's also that every drow sees the essentially whatever it is that would attract them. That is how they see her. Because she's you know spider, black widow. Like. She is. She is just <laughs> the, the. She is the seduction of love. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's great. So there's that. Do they do they kind of play like they want? They throw like the red herring, like she's the one, the maestro. 
Like, do they kind of throw that into play a little mm, bit? No, I mean, she is, it, is... Or is it very clear that Jarl Axel is, like, running this show? It's Here's the thing. He is in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Jarl Axel has a plan. Jarl Axel's plan is, in the very beginning of the book, is Dahlia, who was a companion of Dritzt when um, Caddy Bree was dead for a while. Dahlia was... A... She's the assassin who uses the super staff. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her yeah. from the book that I read. <laughs> and so Dahlia had a fight two books or three books ago against Caddy Bree. Each of them were a proxy in a god war. Oh my god. Yeah. Caddy Bree was Mileki's proxy and Mistra's proxy kind of together. And Dahlia was Loth's proxy. That's insane. She's not a drow. (laughs) No, but she was the proxy in this war partly over Dritzt but more so over the Weave. When Loth was trying to control mm. the weave. Caddybury won, and Mistra secured her, her weave again, and it did not become the web. <laughs> the net. Worldwide the web. The worldwide <laughs> web of Forgotten Realms. Um, and Dahlia didn't die, though. Was oh. kidnapped by the drow. And due to psionics with methyl and everything else, her mind was scrambled. And the only thing she retained was her fighting. So, like, if she was threatened, her instincts would kick in and she'd have clarity of thought. But she otherwise... She would be able to, like, crazy thunder staff. Oh, yeah. Zap people. And, <laughs> but otherwise, she essentially had no thought. She would just sit there and was a pawn because in part of whatever the game was that was going on, they recreated House Duorden as the ninth house of Menzo Berenzon. And they made her matron mother. What? Yeah. <laughs> So, That's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Partly, you know, part of it was to, so Dritz's name could be dragged through the mud because during the big wars that ensued for the for everything that happened in the last couple books, mm-hmm. it was House Duorden that was behind it. Oh, my God. Who else do we know with the name Duorden? There's that Dritz guy. <laughs> so it was partly to sully his name, but it, it had all these other machinations kind of in flux. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Dahlia is stuck in the Underdark, and Jarl Axel says, we need to go get her. And we being Jarl Axel, Artemis and Treary, who is... Uh, such, is he's is a, he still a revenant, or like... I mean, he's still... He has the Shadowvar essence, so that's why he's still alive after all these years, why he hasn't died. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that his fate is also tied to the sword Charon's claw if the sword is like alive he stays alive they threw the sword into the primordial volcano of Gontelgrim and you find out in this book the sword survived a primordial's molten lava what couldn't destroy it oh Charon's claw ancient evil artifact of doom <laughs> can like was dominate it, you like Asmodeus's weapon of choice or the, something <laughs> the actual history of it is very it's they've only given out bits and pieces but there's an entire book dedicated to it it was Caron's call the book which yeah, was like part of that Neverwinter series which I didn't read yet yeah so. <laughs> um, but anyway so Artemis had fallen in love with Dahlia yeah after I, Dritzt after yeah she I mean I, that was part of the Neverwinter they kind of flirted a bit and right like, but I mean they, they, they like fall in love fall in love oh, Artemis wow. has become sort of like the Vegeta <laughs> you know that classic anti-hero Trist, that's... I am the prince of all <laughs> I am the prince of all assassins, assassins. <laughs> um, he has become 
of Vegeta, this anti-hero <laughs> that was once villain, and they he's, were they he's were badass. Oh, they were they were buds. I mean, like there was this moment in two books ago when when that Dahlia war happened. Artemis was captured by the Drow. He was in a cage in Gontelgrim, and Dritz came back and saved him. And as everything was going nuts and things were blowing up left and right. He turned to Artemis and, and Trarian, and Trarian was just like, I have to go see if Dahlia's alive. I can't leave her. And he's like, and he's looking, he's like, but it's going to, you know, everything's, you're going to die. And he's like, he's like, if I do, I do. And then he just looks at Dritz and he says, I will never forget you came back for me, Dritz de Warden. Mm. And like, it's this bro moment where you're just oh like, my damn. God. Like, <laughs> it's like, you're my, <laughs> you're my whole world, bro. <laughs> It's just like this. It's this, like you know, Finn Poe Dameron, like froze for life moment. And you're just like, wow. Um, but just that thought, the thought that this book you maestro, mortal enemies, yeah, right. The fact that this book maestro was uh, very much centered on Jarlaxle, Artemis, and Ritz on an adventure. It's like this trio is just ridiculous. But Jarlaxle thinks he has a plan in place, thinks everything's going to go their way, mm-hmm. and they decide to go to Menzo Baranzon to save Dahlia. Yeah. Um. Things disintegrate from there. I'll get back to them in a second. Meanwhile, in the in I think I know what the what the whole game is, but I want to. I'm gonna wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, Cadbury realizes that the prime the magic that was keeping the primordial of Gauntlegrim locked in the volcano. Yeah, and the four the the heart of Gauntlegrim. Right. Were these water elementals? Yeah. And when they shut them off, that's what caused the Neverwinter disaster, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. That magic came from the Hostower of the Arcane in Luskin, which had been destroyed, like... Yeah, because it was, like, roots and stuff underneath the ground, and, like... But the Hostower has been destroyed. It was destroyed ages ago, and Cadbury finds out by speaking with Primordial, because she, she can do that now. Okay. They're, like, <laughs> best, they're best buds now. Um, that, that magic is waning. And if it goes away completely, they're, the whole point of Brunor's quest to save Gaunt Gauntlegrim and reclaim it is all for naught because the primordial will escape or right. die or and it will rain havoc. <laughs> so Cadbury goes with Gromph and other mages from across all of Faerun. Everybody like but Elminster. <laughs> to... Elminster doesn't exist in an Ares. <laughs> oh no, they do oh. because that's how that's how they scale Gromph's power. Because whenever they want to make sure that you know in this book. Just how powerful Gromp Bonray is, they're always like, the only wizard we can name as more powerful than Gromp is Elminster. Wow. There is no, like, that's just to show you how, how high level he is. Mm-hmm. And he I wondered why the they level kept... level nine spells. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I wondered why they kept shoving that in our faces, and I'll get to that later. So Caddy Bree goes with Gromp and other mages to go rebuild the Hostower. That's like their thing. Wow. While Dritzt is going down... We, That's the, the B plot, right? <laughs> and those are, and and meanwhile, things that are happening in Menzo Baranzon are happening with Ivanil and this and that. Um, so, I'll let me finish up what happens with the B plot, and then we'll go what happens with the A plot. <laughs> so with B plot, um, she's working with Gromph, the some of the Harples, a storm giant or a cloud giant comes, like some crazy amounts of people come, and all the while, Caddy Breeze starts getting this feeling that like she's she's not taking any crap from Gromph. And he's not used to that, per se. And it gets to a point where she starts having dreams about Gromph. Sexual dreams oh. about Gromph. And you're just like, don't cheat on Dritzt. Like, <laughs> don't do the thing. 
and it culminates with Caddy Bree, like Gromf comes in and he's like, you know, it turns out that Gromf was subtly imparting small suggestions psionically to her. I figured. But most of it was created by her mind. <laughs> he just put the suggestion in there. Everything else was her mind just running wild with it. Mm-hmm. And so she comes to him one night. He lets her in. <laughs> She's like, he's like, I let my war, I, I give you permission to come past my wards. So she steps forward. And he, and she's and he's like naked and he's like I've been waiting for this night for a while and she's like me too and yeah you're just thinking no don't do it don't do it and this is part of the book that I was just like I hate this I hate that she's gonna do the thing and then surprisingly Dritz gave her Guinevere because he didn't he said if I die in in Menzo Baranzon I do not want Gwen to suffer the same fate that she started with mm-hmm. so you take Gwen Gwen comes into the room and is like right next to Gromf and she's like don't you ever do that to me again and this whole thing like I, I the jig is up. Gromf snaps his fingers and Gwen just poofs back into the astral plane. And the two of them have this conversation. And long story short, Cadbury is like, don't ever get into my mind again, you like crazy rapist, this and that. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I didn't do and, that. And she's like, Those... your mind made it up. I just implanted a suggestion. And she goes out. And what she doesn't know, like she's just thankful that she didn't like get killed. But the thing is that what she says to him is his wards, she didn't need permission she deactivated all of them. She dispelled his wards. That's how Gwen got in. And though Gromp didn't show it, those were like... Uber wards. Yeah. <laughs> so the amount of power that Cadbury he realizes, actually has, and it's probably unbeknownst to her, is of, a, of an Archmage level. Because she is the chosen of the owner of the weave. You know, she's, <laughs> a chosen of, she's a chosen of my lecamistra. Malextra. Malextra. <laughs> um... And my Strecky. It's my. It's, my <laughs> she's, it's more my Lecky than Mistra. Um, but yeah, she. Uh, and so that ends with Gromf respecting her, mm-hmm. and he even like bows to her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, because she requests his assistance with something, and he bows and he says, "My lady, Caddy Bree, many times in my life I have taken orders from women. This is the first time I am, I like essentially I am happy." to mm-hmm. work with uh, a woman. Yeah. like long story short like I respect your power yeah. B plot that's it that, that was that was it A plot do they make the tower we don't know oh, okay. they're working on it right. un, un, unfinished um, B plot Dritzt A plot uh, yeah A plot Dritzt Artemis Jarlaxle going down to Menzo Baranzon Jarlaxle has this plan in and out grab Dahlia get out Things start to disintegrate. Firstly, the fact that Demogorgon and the other Demon Lords are down there cause it's they're chaotic. They're, they're like chaotic. they're warping reality. I'm sure. Yes, and the minds, and so the minds of Artemis and Dritz start to they start to go a little crazy. They start to become enemies again uh. because they start to become paranoid and this and that. And Dritz gets to the paranoia of the part, and this is also partly Ivanel who's doing this through psionic abilities that she has with this other drow, and I'm not going to get into that. It doesn't really matter. But the point is, is that Dritz starts to doubt everything. He, he thinks that he, in a, in a previous book, when he was going to, he was mortally wounded, and he was laying on um, Kelvin's Cairn, which is where, like, all this started. It's where he met Brunor and Cadbury. Mm-hmm. He believes to think that he actually died. And this is all just a... And that there's no way that Cadbury and Brunor could come back to life and that Regis is back and Wolfgar is back, <laughs> that the gods intervene. Like, there's no way that he could be this lucky and that this is actually happening. He thinks that he died there 
and that the reason he's coming back to Menzo Baranzon is because all of this is just has just been a ruse by Lolf. Because he remembers when Wolfgar in like book twelve had had been dead and they found out that his soul had been taken by Ertu the Bower. Mm-hmm. And Wolfgar said that the torture, what got him the most, what broke Wolfgar, and Wolfgar admitted this, was the ruse. Mm-hmm. Not It wasn't the pain, it was the ruse. The ruse that his friends came and saved him, and he was fine, and he would live years with, at that time, Caddy Bree and him had been an item, so he would live his years out with Caddy Bree, and they would have children, only to have Ertu come and eat the children in front of his face and kill Caddy Bree. And then he'd realize that four years or five years or ten years was all a ruse, and this is all just part of the psychological torture, and that's mm-hmm. what broke Wolfgar. So he thinks the same thing is happening to him. He thinks the exact same thing is happening to him from Lolf. It's not. <laughs> but that's what or he thinks. <laughs> Shit hits the fan. I don't want to get into too, too much detail, but shit hits the fan. They, they, they grab Dahlia. They almost save her. They don't. They get captured. Okay. They all get captured. All Dritz included. And they're in Menzo Baranzan. And they're in Menzo Baranzan. And they're oh, with, sorry, Baranzan. Yeah, they're with the new Ivanel. She was named after the one that she <laughs> memory she has. And she gives Dritz an author. She's like, I need you to be Lolf's champion. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And she's like, I promise you, you have my word that, you know, for what it's worth. <laughs> she's like, but, you know, and he, and he, for whatever reason, like, you, like, she is being truthful. She's like, your friends will walk unharmed from this place if you agree to be my champion against Demo Gorgon. Like, Loth has chosen you <laughs> to be the Demo, to be the Demo Gorgon, to be the, the champion of Menzo Baranzan. And how Ivanel got these psychic powers is she's been using, um, the old uh, Kim Muriel's mother, or excuse me, Kim Muriel's mother, who was like head of the psionic house, who was supposedly dead. Mm-hmm. She was brought back by Lolf, and she's been like enslaved by Ivanel. Oh the two God. of them have been working together. Anyway, <coughs> Dritz eventually agrees. And he goes hunting for demons. You can't see my face. <laughs> but I was like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes hunting for Demogorgon. Oh my God. And Demogorgon is. Uh, he, Dritz He's can't do anything to him. Figured. He, he like he can't lay a scratch on him. I mean, Dritz is and, what uh, level sixteen. <laughs> and, oh, but he, I should say he doesn't agree to be Lolf's champion. He stays he's because he, he says I'm not going to do it for Lolf, but I would do it for my friends. Mm. Like you know, staying true to himself. <laughs> I fight for my friends. And she's like, she's like, what's it matter if this is all a ruse? Like in his, cause she knows what he's been thinking. She's like, if this is all a ruse, what's it matter? Like why even bother? Like you know, mm-hmm. if this isn't real, then why does it matter? And he says, because I'm real. Aww. And like it's something like where it's like, you know, <laughs> no matter what the illusion is, he has to be himself. He mm-hmm. will always be true to himself, which is like a great moment. Anyway, the battle is amazing, but it's the conclusion of the battle, which is great. <laughs> Granted, Demogorgon should have definitely gotten more screen time or page time, I should say. It was like a one-chapter fight. He gets it in the the, the story. The, right. The, the uh, adventure. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what ends up happening is oh Dritz God. runs back to Menzo Baranzon. He found Demogorgon somewhere in the caves of the Underdark. Runs back to Menzo Baranzon. The gates open. Every person from every house in Menzo Baranzon is standing there in a wide semicircle. And up floating at the top on this like floating pillar thing mm-hmm. is Ivanel and um, the Scion, you know, drow woman mm-hmm. whose name I can't think of, Matron Mother. They're there. And everybody is there. 
This is and after I'm, the fight. This is no. This is during the fight. Demogorgon is on oh. the way, chasing Dritzt. And I'm just thinking, like, here's everyone in the world that has ever hated Dritzt. But secretly, all they and they say this in the book. Secretly, all the males of Menzo Baranzan envy Dritzt. Of course, because he got out. <laughs> you know what I mean? He yeah. and so. But anyway, long story short, Dritzt is there. Dritzt gets picked up, gets teleported to the platform with Ivanel. Then, as Demogorgon is, is like on his way coming in. All of a sudden, all these wizards, all these people, everybody, just unleashed spells of stupid amounts of magnitude onto Dritzt. Like, just unloading everything mm-hmm. they can. Fireballs and lightning bolts and every spell and every arrow and everything that can be unloaded and, and hit at Dritzt. And Dritzt doesn't feel it. He just feels like there's like this mounting energy around him. So what they're doing is, if you remember in Psionics, there's the kinetic energy barrier. Yes. Where it absorbs, like, in X amount of time... However much kinetic energy gets stored in there, then gets unleashed through the next attack. That's what this major. They're making is him doing. a bomb. They're making him a super warrior <laughs> bomb. So much so that it obliterates the psionic matron mother. She just becomes dust when the when the psionic spell is complete. Yeah. Dritz can barely contain the power. She jump like they. He looks at well. He has like in his hand. He has his swords. He has his scimitars. And there's something to the effect of, like, Ivano's like, now's the time to choose. Because she's there. Oh, my God. She's there. He could he could unload. She even points she, she points to Quenthel, who's still technically the matron mother of Menzo Baranzon. She's like, there's the matron mother of, of House Bonray, the first house of Menzo Baranzon. You could obliterate her right now. <laughs> she's, like, he, he's, she's like, now's the time to choose. And for a second, he thinks... He's going to do that instead. <laughs> but no, he made his choice. He's like, these people, because it's, it's still that whole, if he can be redeemed, if Zach Nefane, his father, could be redeemed, if there all are still... All the drow can be redeemed. Not all, but there might be some good drow. Not, and, they're not, and they don't deserve to be slaughtered. Mm-hmm. So he turns, he jumps, he goes flying into the air, and he cuts Demogorgon in half. <laughs> and Demogorgon, like, explodes. And Dritz, like, super warriors it and then passes out. When he wakes up, his friends are let go. <laughs> they, they, his friends they are let gave go. Drips a spirit bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Jarlaxle gets let go with Artemis and Dahlia to go above. And Artemis is like, we can't leave him here. Like that whole, like, he didn't leave me behind. And Jarlaxle's like, well, we sure as hell can't go get him. But he has one last conversation with Ivanel. And Ivanel's like, you know, you just remember that I let you go. Remember that, like, you went unharmed. And that, you know, Breg and Dareth should still be in the good graces of Menzo Baranzon. Mm-hmm. And he turns to her before he leaves and he says, if you kill him, I will forget it all. And he just turns around and he goes, this like... Not that there's much Jarlaxle could do. Like, he was mm-hmm. so outwitted. And that's the thing. That's where the maestro comes in. This whole book is about how, in every circumstance, the reason Dritz goes to Menzo Baranzan is because he trusts Jarlaxle. Because Jarlaxle always has a plan above a plan above a plan. And the thing about this book is, this is the first time Jarlaxle was unsure of what was going to happen and how to, like, survive. Mm-hmm. And then they let Dritz go. Which I thought was crazy. I was sure it was going to end with him being captured. Ivana lets him go, and Quenthal, sure something. Well, Quenthal says, "How could you do that? How could you not serve his head up to lull? We could have turned him into a drider. We could have done tortured him for years." And she says, "Because he's doing lull's work." She says, because, <laughs> "Because I will never break him, nor will you, nor will anybody. You cannot break Dritz Stewarden with torture." She's like, 
but he believes this is all an illusion. <laughs> so if this is an illusion, then to break the illusion would be to kill those closest to him, wouldn't it? <laughs> and he himself will drive himself mad. He will break himself. Like when he when he goes back and he sees Caddy Bree and he thinks that she's an illusion, he's he will be his own broken man. Mm-hmm. That's how it ends. That's how it ends. Wow. It was great. Between him being between him thinking everything's an illusion, between him defeating Demogorgon with Caddy Bree and her cheating possibly. I was on the edge of my seat the whole book. <laughs> Jarl Axel not knowing what the heck was going on. I was like I I loved it. Cool. Very nice. Um so <laughs> That's Maestro. Pick it up on your local bookstore, Kindle, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so next up, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some Unearthed Arcana that came out recently mm-hmm. uh, for Gothic Heroes. So going in line with uh, the new Curse of Strahd adventure that came out in Ravenloft. Ravenloft is a very like uh, a Gothic, supernatural, rich kind of world, more so than any other D&D world. It's kind of like, you know... You know, zombies, undead, uh, vampires, especially, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, kind of like, you know, your, your, you know, your horror monster kind of yeah. world. Old monster movie stuff. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with that, they released, uh, with Unearthed Arcana, you know, it's always like tests. They're not really, you know, they're, they're fleshed out enough. Uh, but all in all, they're still like beta tests. So they released uh, a, a new subrace. Well, not a new subrace, but it's been used before. But the Revenant. The Revenant is almost like the re- the way the Revenant works. It's not a race per se. It, like it says, it's a subrace. So when you're a dwarf, you're like a hill dwarf or a mountain dwarf. Right. So when you're a dwarf Revenant, that's instead of hill or mountain, you're Revenant. Right. And Revenant kind of gives you those additional boosts that you would. On top of your race, so any race can be a revenant. Doesn't matter. Um, I think there are benefits if you are, uh, like you know, uh, you know, if you're a dragonborn revenant, you get different bonuses, and so on. Or if you're a human revenant, you get different bonuses. I'm sure there's more options, uh, you know, but they're not in there yet. <clears throat> what are the main benefits of a revenant? Part of being a revenant is that when you're essentially like a zombie, well, not really a zombie, but you're like you you've you've been brought back for a purpose. Right. You're brought back to do something, mm-hmm. and the and that's something your DM assigns to you, or you work with your DM. You know, you must kill the darkness. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think I was a revenant once in one of your games. Yep. Uh, my monk had died, but he came back because I wanted to play my monk again, but rather than be a different character. I wanted to be that character, so I was Revenant. Um, but so I don't remember what my goal was, though. Uh, so one of the part of the part of that goal is until you have fulfilled that goal, if you are below half your health uh, at the start of your turn, you regain a hit point. So you're always you, you know you're part of that relentless. It's called relentless nature. Mm-hmm. Is you know you're 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 always trying to fulfill that goal, and if you die. Uh, you return to life 24 hours after death, and if your body is destroyed, you reform one mile away from your body. So you can't die until your goal is... I mean, I'm sure there's a way to kill him, but you can't die by normal means until your goal is fulfilled. Uh, and you always know where your goal is. 
Um, you know the distance and direction between you and any creature involved in your goal, such as a person you seek vengeance against or someone you pledge to defend. This awareness fails if the creature is on another plane of existence. And when your goal is complete, you finally find rest, you die, and cannot be restored to life. So it's kind of like an all-in-one kind of thing, but usually the DM won't put it like, you know, it's the end of the first adventure, <laughs> you know? like Usually it's like a, a far-off thing, and each thing you do is part of that goal to get to finally fulfill your destiny. One more step on the ladder. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Revenants. They think they're cool. They're not for every game, for sure, but you know they they, they bring some cool story points. I'm I'm you know I like Revenants. I do. I do think that as a sub race, they are they seem to be a. I mean that regen is a bit op. <laughs> well, it's half health. It is, yeah. but it's still one point regen. You know, I mean maybe maybe not. I I'd have to play it to see. The not dying thing is just great. <laughs> Like, I would be, like, the ballsiest revenant. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd be like, we're in the dark tomb. Down the hall, you, uh, we've, we've heard, you know, a little clanking. We can't see down there. Can any, anybody want to go check it out? It'd be like, yo, me. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't come back, uh... Find my body. <laughs> give me, if I don't come back, in a, if I don't come back in an hour, wait an extra 23, I'll, I'll come back. <laughs> Just like this, I would just do. I would do ridiculous things. Just like, be like, light me on fire. Go, <laughs> run down the hall and just set everything on fire. Like I don't know. I would just. I, I just think it's it's nuts. It's nuts. Just that, and it is a good way, nuts. But it can also be a bad way. I'm a fan of my players understanding danger. <clears throat> I like high stakes in my games. I like people caring about their characters' lives and caring that they are alive and mm. that they can survive this. Um, I feel like that gets rid of that. Not knowing pr- knowing that you can't <clears throat> mm-hmm. die, especially like in an early game setting. In a late game setting where you have a party cleric that may or may not have access to a resurrection spell, then maybe... You know, the stakes are already slightly lessened, so it's like, okay. But, like, if you're talking early game revenants, like, when you're level one, like, why not go battle a dragon? Mm-hmm. Like, what have you got to lose? Well, it's not part of your goal. But what I'm saying what, is, is, you could, granted, it's it's up to the DM to monitor well, this. Well, what I would say is, if I were a DM, right. I would say, so you die. Right. You know, you die doing something stupid, mm-hmm. unrelated to your goal. While you're dead, the deity who or the being who brought you back to life comes to you and says, "That's good and all. I brought you back for a purpose." But I'm not here. You're misunderstanding my dragon <laughs> thing. What if the dragon is your ultimate goal? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's, oh, that'd or, be weird. Or, or here's the thing: you could also justify it. <laughs> this is a beta. <laughs> but you could also justify it this way as well. You could justify it as, I went to go kill a dragon because I knew it would make me stronger mm-hmm. if I defeated it, and I need strength to do the other thing that I was said to do. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like, but it's ultimately up to you and the DM. Right, but like my point, long story short, is I'm saying, and even in, in, even in minor scale, even if you are going directly after your goal, you're in a dungeon. Like, there's no fear. Yeah, Maybe. I mean, you're still only, inconveniencing your party because you're dead for 24 hours. Maybe, but your party's not your goal. 
I guess. I mean, it's how you roleplay it. You but know? that's what I'm saying. Like, Are you going to be like a, an emotionless robot who's like, I'm only going to do what I want to do? I mean, you gonna be... Johnny Depp just grunted a lot. And, <laughs> or not Johnny Depp. Wow. Wow. I meant Leo DiCaprio. Oh. <laughs> just grunted a lot. And, you know, he was pretty relentless with his goal. Mm-hmm. I love it, though. I'm a big fan of The Revenant. Then uh, a new fighter sort archetype. of archetype came out, mm-hmm. um, the Monster Hunter, which is pretty cool. I'll let <laughs> I'll let I'll let Jengis talk about this one because let's face it, Jengis uh, loves his Monster Hunter. Well, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, well, actually, the way this Monster Hunter is, it's a little bit something more along the lines of something we both enjoy, and that's supernatural. Mm-hmm. So this Monster Hunter is like it reminds me of the Inquisitor. Yeah, mm-hmm. similar, but. It's got all this, like, flair of, like, supernatural that really I enjoy. I'll explain. So, this kind of Monster Hunter, you are you are someone who is an expert at defeating supernatural threats. <laughs> um, <laughs> typically mentored by an older, experienced Monster Hunter, you learn to overcome a variety of unnatural defenses and attacks, including those of undead, lycanthropes, and other creatures of horror. Um, Come on, Sammy. Yeah, right? <laughs> Dad always told me that I was going to kill you. Sammy, we're going to grab Dad's book. Um, but it's Call like... Bobby. So, and, you know, they get bonus proficiencies like anything else. They get superiority dice, which I believe other fire archetypes also get. Um, but it's like D8s. And whenever you make an attack against a creature, you can use it to increase your attack roll, increase your damage roll, you can use it for saves, um, and that's, you know, that's a superiority dice, you get more of it, it gets better, it's great, it's like awesome. Uh, but you also get something at third level called Hunter's Mysticism. Your study of the supernatural gives you a limited ability to use magic, and you can use it to ca- cast Detect Magic as a ritual. You can also cast Protection from Evil and Good, but you cannot cast it again with this feature until you have a long rest. So it's like, you know, you, you you know how to make a circle and like assault and protect yourself from evil and like mm-hmm. I just you know and then um, you get better at killing monsters and you know that that's part of that and like it's just like I said that it had a very like supernatural feel to it and yeah. it was like I would love to like play like you know in a in a Ravenloft kind of campaign and be like you know you know like, it's the family I'm, business I'm a hunter. I'm a hunter. <laughs> <laughs> the whole family's been hunters. Uh, and then speaking of Inquisitor, they did actually add a rogue archetype called the Inquisitive. Yeah. Which is, you know, not exactly the same uh, as the Inquisitor from Pathfinder, but, you know. Not really at all. It's more, the Inquisitive you know, like rogue a, is more like you. Kind of like a Batman-y kind of guy. You're a detective. <laughs> it's the detective rogue. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um. I did like the Inquisitor from Pathfinder, and Monster Hunter reminds me of it the most. I would like to see the Return of the Inquisitor because I, I remember I played a like Revenant type Inquisitor, <laughs> and that was a fun sort of combo. Mm-hmm. The idea of like being brought back, but then like you yourself are this kind of one of the you're things that you're trying yeah. to defeat, you know, um, which is always great. Uh, yeah, Gothic Heroes, check it out. Mm-hmm. You can download it from Wizards website. They, you know, I think what once a month on Earth Arcana comes Something out. Something like that. So uh, you can keep up to date on it and check out some new rules. 
to add flavor into your D&D games. Mm-hmm. We're going to end our D&D section with talking about our favorite monsters in the game world of Dungeons & Dragons. We're going to kind of limit it to the pool of the current 5th edition monsters of the Monster Manual um, because I feel that otherwise the choices would just be... <laughs> So many. There's just <laughs> so it's, vast. It's just too numerous, and um, I I am not really sure what else to say about it. What is your favorite monster? <laughs> um, well, you know, the the first thing you think of when you're just like, "What's your favorite monster?" It's like you know, oh, dragons. You know, right. dragons are so cool. You it know, it is called Dungeons and Dragons. It is called Dungeons and Dragons, but it's I, not Dungeons and Goblins, <laughs> which would be less um, enticing. You know, uh, but I, as much as I like dragons and I think they are cool, uh, my favorite monster, um, you know, because you don't fight a lot of dragons, you know, mm-hmm. you fight them like once or twice, you know, they're not meant to be like an everyday occurrence. Right. Um, but I am actually rather fond of orcs, um, which is an interesting choice. Uh, I do like orcs and I like that, you know, just orcs in uh, different ways, like, I don't like just your normal, like, brutish orc, kind of like your savage orc, so to speak. I like my orcs to be kind of... Uh, Pathfinder did it similar like this. Uh, also, when you, when you harken back to, you know, the Kingdom of Many Arrows, before they kind of went into disarray, mm-hmm. uh, they were a bit more... Civilized. Civilized, yeah. exactly. I like them when they're civilized. I like them when they're shamanistic. You when know? the World of Warcraft works? Yeah, I like when them when the World thrall. of Warcraft works. Not where everyone's thrall, but I mean like... <laughs> we yeah. must do good in the world. <laughs> not always good, but like they're, they're not all... We must do okay in the world. <laughs> <laughs> they're not all mindless, you know. They, you know, they're... They're, you know, they're fighters. They're, they're, they're brutish. They're really strong. But if they... If they form together as a community, that's when you really should be afraid. Is when the orcs start to, you know, band together. You know, because normally they're just, dis- you know, they have their own tribes, their mm-hmm. own clans. But when the clans start to come together, like you know, many arrows did, that's when they become a force to be reckoned with. Right. I think they're pretty interesting as like any kind of, you know, you could probably make a whole campaign against like antagonistic orcs and like you know how to deal with them. What's your favorite monster, Dave? I have two. <laughs> I have two of the current pooling. I have several in like lifetimes. I mean, and you know, obviously, I'm not going to use dragons, even though like ob- if you can't see my my basement where we are recording this <laughs> podcast. As lame as that sounds, but uh, there are dragons everywhere. It's a nice basement. <laughs> uh, but point being is, yeah, if I had to pick two right now, my two favorites would be first. There is, of course. The Tarrasque. The Tarrasque is the, you know, it's the big bad nasty. Legend has it. But it's never really the big, no one is, everyone's too afraid to use it. Well, because, I mean, granted, in 5th edition, it it doesn't necessarily have the same requirements to kill it as it used to, but I would incorporate them in. Um, For those of you that don't know what the Tarrasque is, it's just a big bad monster. It is super powerful of epic level proportions. It its destructive capabilities are almost unlimited. And what makes it so amazing is that there's only one. It's not <laughs> like there is like several Tarasks. There is just the Tarask. And no one knows when it's going to pop up, or what plane, or what existence, 
and what it's going to do. It just all of a sudden there it is, and and you know if anyone is lucky enough to survive, legends will tell of this crazy ass monster. <laughs> In third edition, the way to kill the Tarrasque, you can't. You you is you is you just can't. You can't kill the Tarrasque. You bring it to zero health. You bring yeah. it to zero health, and then you have to wish spell it away. <laughs> That's how you remove the direct threat of the Tarrasque, <laughs> but you can't actually kill it. So the idea of like this big, bad, apocalyptic monster that just sort of could show up at any moment, and, and if you weren't like prepared, you would just die. <laughs> die. Yeah. Uber die. I just, I, 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 I like the fear of it. Mm. You know, once again, I like high stakes and doesn't get higher than the Tarrasque. <laughs> like, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> Um, but on a more subdued, I say subdued lightly here, <laughs> on a more subdued level, I like liches. Yeah. I like the lich, the idea of the lich, um, because I am a wizard player, which is funny that you chose orcs because you were very much like, <laughs> that is like your, your archetypal, like, you know, Jengis character. Um, I like the wizardy character. I like the lich, the, the concept that this was a wizard that, you know, whether or not they started off as good or evil doesn't really matter at this point. They are now evil for sure, I mm-hmm. mean, by nature. But, you know, obviously DMs can play with that concept too. But the Lich was a wizard who wanted to live forever, who's studying of the arcane. They wanted to go above and beyond. They wanted to become all-powerful and archmage. They wanted to transcend the mortal boundaries. So they become this undead creature, and it gifts them with tons of ability but the trade-off is that, you know, they're a little bit on the cray-cray side. Mm-hmm. They're sort of, like, stupidly evil to the, and <laughs> they're undead and, you know, people are after them. And it's just – it's a bad situation to be in. It, it warps the mind to be a lich. Mm-hmm. But also I like the concept of, how, of, of the lich's death too. Like you kill a lich and as long as its phylactery is <laughs> – Intact, the lich will just respawn. As long as the horcruxes are still around. That's it, man. <laughs> um, so similar to the revenant, which is why the revenant is something I like as well. Like the idea of this undying thing, killing a lich. Obviously, you kill it and kill its phylactery, and the lich is gone forever. But still, like I just the concept of a lich, especially mm-hmm. because like I would love to play a character that was like through one of those characters that tries to you know. The One Ring, so uh-huh. to speak. Like Gandalf says <laughs> to Frodo. It's all for good intentions. Right. Gandalf says to Frodo, and Frodo offers him the ring. He's like, I can't take it because I would take the ring with a desire to do good, but through me, it would do evil. <laughs> and I'm, that would be like lichdom for all of my characters I'd ever play. <laughs> like if I, if, I, if I play any type of character that's not going to live forever as a wizard, and if I can't discover a way to do it by the time like my age is dawning on me, my wizard characters would all eventually become liches. <laughs> and I think it's not, once again, it's not from like a place of I want to rule the world. It's from a place of like I'm not done learning. I'm not done doing good to this world. And despite the fact that they, you know, they'd, and they'd all, they'd all be cocky enough to be like, I can defeat the madness of lichdom. I will become just another evil lich. I'll be the good lich. I'll be like, you know, everybody will love me. They'll be like, Zaz Tam is a dick, but... Alibris Tam is great. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I would say liches are my favorite monster. Didn't Fourth Edition have like a good lich? Maybe I think like one of like the wizard like because Fourth Edition when you hit like Matt when you were done with everything you became like 
this epic thing and like I mean you became immortal for yeah. sure and I, know, I, I thought one of the lich. immortality things was like for wizards was like good lich I don't know I hope not <laughs> I blocked most of 4E out <laughs> I can't remember it's like, but the, it's like me in the prequels it's like <laughs> I literally I blocked out there are just, four Star Wars movies four, five, six, and seven <laughs> just to just to, sh- just to show you how much I blocked 4E out and how little I care the other day when we were playing the big magic game, I had uh, not enough table space on this table, so I needed to set up one of the folding tables at the end. But the folding table wasn't the same height as the table that we're sitting at now. And I was asked, do you have anything we can prop the table up with? We ended up just leaving it on the ground. I was like, yeah, take some of those four ebooks; They don't matter. <laughs> I was like, I don't care if they get destroyed. And just like everyone's just like, oh, man, that was, that was brutal. I was like, whatever. 4E. Yeah, 4E. Just use it to prop a table. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are Lich. Lich and Orc, I guess, are the you shall not pass go mascots. <laughs> <laughs> Have a Lich Orc and Jengis and I are on board. There you uh, go. Yeah, great. And that pretty much ends our D&D segment. Mm-hmm. So, so, moving along to board games. Uh, two board games we're going to review. Uh, we're going to review... Uh, for our old game, it's going to be Clue, and for our new game, it's going to be Codenames. Yeah, let's start with Codenames. Let's start with Codenames. So Codenames is a, a party game, so to speak. It's a party game. It's a party game. Um, you play. You can't you can, play that game with two people. It's a yeah, party game. Yeah. You can play it with any number of people. I think it plays best with six to eight, I would say. An even number for sure. Yeah. Because you have teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so each team, so the way, uh, I'm trying to, best way to explain this. So each team has, uh, for, you know, there, you could be played over several rounds and each round you choose a spy master and that spy master gets a car. So the way the board is laid out, <laughs> yeah, I'm the worst at this. The way the board is laid out, it's a five by five square, roughly four, five by five or six by six. Um, and each card has a word on it, whether it be like on this board, on this board, uh, and they're from a deck and they're random. Um, so it could be anything. It could be a place. It could be like New York city. New York city. It could be an event. World war Mm two or an apple or a cloud. It could be anything. Um, so each of those cards and the spy master C, cause they get a, a, a legend, a key card, so to speak, it shows which of those cards are for your team. Right. And the object of the game is to have your team pick out all the cards for their color, whether it be red or blue, before the enemy team does. Or before someone... Or if you act, if you pick the bomb card, you lose immediately. Right. So long story short, <clears throat> the Spy Master's job is to relay in verbal hints what cards to pick but it can't be anything direct you can't use the word right <laughs> um but the trick of the spy master in this game is you since it since it is a a race to see which team can get all of their cards first the spy master has to figure out creative ways because in addition to saying a verbal a verbal word q they they also are allowed to say a number and the number in there's a it's it's a, it's a little complicated, but in 
in one way or another relates to the number of possible choices that there are for the clue to apply to. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, just to give you an example, because I think that will probably help clear it up a little bit. Let's say Jangus and I are playing, and on the board there are a bunch of words, and among them there's, um, we'll say subway mm-hmm. we'll say apple we'll say garden and then we'll say um statue of liberty yeah and let's and also I- say for this purposes of this example new york is not one of those right that's cars. why I, that's why i did not actually mention new york <laughs> so i could say well, can it be two words? I don't remember. The clue can be one word. I mean, or two it's words. like you know, you kind of New, house New York rule is it. kind of like one word, right? You, we we kind of house rule that you you have to kind of be use your discretion. It's supposed to be one word, but New York, you know, it's a proper noun. So. Yeah. Point being is, I might say to Jengis, New York, four. Now Jengis might look at some of them, and like he might look at Subway, mm-hmm. and you would probably say, yeah, that that has to do with New York, uh, New York. Sorry. Um, and you would say, like, you know, from there, you'd be like, all right, what else is New York-esque? So you see, like, a uh, garden. But I, honestly, I probably wouldn't put garden there. But like, that's a little bit of a stretch. Right. But, uh. that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, and that, I used that. The reason I did that was exactly for that point. The spy master's goal is to try and think of ways for people to understand the clues that they're giving. But at the same time, you can set it up for later. Like, even though I said I, I my, for my example, garden was part of this clue. It's vague, but I put it in there because maybe later another one of my clues will help me have my players understand that that's what garden was for. Yeah. And so obviously, I'm going from Madison when, Square. When the right? when the other spies are trying to guess, they say the you know you go one by one. So like the first word be like you know Empire State Building. Flip it over. Good. You keep going until you either stop or you hit one of the enemy teams or a bystander card which doesn't count for anybody right so that's why you know you would you would you would, you know say you're do empire state building subway uh whatever the third one was apple apple right. so you stop at those three and you're like you know he said four i could go for one more there's one more out there but we don't know what it is we don't want to give the enemy team a point so we stop right there. Right. But we keep it in mind in case he says something else later on. Right. You know, and we'd be like, oh, he'll say, like, you know, fruit. Uh, Madison. Yeah. One. <laughs> or, like, fruit one. And be like, oh, he did. Or, well, was no, it? no, it was no, garden. garden. That's yeah. why I said, like, Madison. Yeah, Madison. I already said New York. Yeah. You know, I'd say Madison one. And they'd yeah. be like, oh, Madison Square yeah, Garden. garden. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to play with friends because, like, you, you're guessing and, like, you know, you're talking amongst each other. It's a good party game. Yeah. And it's quick. So, like, you know, you can get, like, a couple rounds in. Um, we had fun when we played it. Mm-hmm. I got a little frustrated as Spy Master. Because <laughs> you can only control how much, like, I just people... feel like I would give out a clue and just people would be like, what? I don't get it. I'm just like, come on! <laughs> come on! <laughs> like, I just, I, I, I don't know. I have... I found that I enjoyed code names a lot, but my patience <laughs> when I was spy master was very thin, and I had a hard time like 
keeping it together. I was running back and forth. I had to like run upstairs so I couldn't like watch what would happen because I just couldn't I just couldn't deal. Like I was just like it's too stressful for me because I I knew what I meant and I thought my some of my clues were just so golden and then people were like, wait, but like what does it mean? They pick out the dumbest things. <laughs> Like, once again, like, with the New York thing, like, I might say New York, and then there's, like, you know, maybe one of the one of the things that are, one of the cards that are on the table are, like, you know, it's, like, fork, and then someone's, like, oh, when you're in New York, you always need to have a fork, and New York and fork rhyme, so clearly it must be fork, and then I just, you know, you I can't just say anything. Out. Like, I can't say, <laughs> I can't, as Spy Master, you say nothing, you're just, like, you know. You just have to just like watch, and you have to just it just it just crumbles. Especially like when you're looking at your little cheat sheet, so you see like what colors it are, and either they're, the thing that they're guessing is either the other teams or worse, it's like the thing that's going to lose them the game. It's like the bomb card, <laughs> and you're just like you can't make any noise, you can't like shake your head. So a lot of times I was spy master. I just like booked up the stairs. Like everybody's down here in the basement. I was just like, I can't. Here's the clue. I'm going. Like I'm leaving now. <laughs> Because I was just like, ah, oh, I just, I can't. It's funny. I can't take it. And like, <laughs> that's dumb, part of the fun. <laughs> it's just like the dumb conclusions. Like, I'm just like, no, like, they're more obvious. But that's the thing is, like, what's obvious to you might not necessarily be obvious to someone else. But I just, like, I just can't take the stupidity sometimes. Like, Fork and York, they rhyme. It's got to be Fork. You know, there'll be, like, something else out there, like, completely unrelated. It'll be, like, airplane. Well, people take airplanes to New York City, like, essentially, everybody starts playing, like, the number 23, the game. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, straight up, if anybody watched that movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't watched that movie, save yourself your life hours, because it's not worth it, and I will just explain it right now. It's a Jim Carrey horror movie, came out maybe eight years ago or so, maybe, I don't know, I don't remember. I feel like we were working at Hollywood Video at the time. But it was, uh, it was like, yeah, right there, Jim Carrey horror. You should probably be like, what? I don't really, I don't, uh, but no, it happened. Um, and he was like this guy, this dopey guy that reads a book called like 23 or the number 23 or something. And the whole premise of the movie is that he figures out that like 23, it's like, it, it falls him everywhere. It, it falls him everywhere. It's like, it's like his, it's like his answer to uh, the, you know, the question of the life. Question of life. If not, you know, it's 23 for him because <laughs> it's just like everything. It's like he adds his birthday up and it like gets 23, like the numbers equal 23 and the time he was born equal 23. But some of the connections, like you really have to stretch. <laughs> like I swear some of them would be like, wait, my address is four and nine. Two is half of four and three is half nine that's 23 so that's okay all right i'm with you but then the next one would be like wait the first place i worked at was 1527 one plus five is six plus two is eight plus seven is 15 one and five together again is six half of six is three there was a two in the original number 23 like is there, is the map on the back? <laughs> but it's just like I just, I'm just like I can't. That that concept, the idea of like making, you know, 
it's like when people read horoscopes in the newspaper and they're like, oh my god, this is so me. <laughs> and I'm like, if you read any other horoscope, even that wasn't your own, and you believed it to be about you, you would figure out a way to connect it. <laughs> to find pattern within random occurrence. Like, they can't accept it. That Like, you know what I mean? So it's just like, this game plays into that. Codenames, it's just like, you just, you say a clue and people just go off the chain. <laughs> And they think they know you, and they're like, oh, yeah. Well, Dave would make it obvious. Dave would make it complicated because he doesn't want the other team to know. So clearly, New York does not mean the apple because that's too freaking obvious. New York means, uh, uh, what do we have here? Shoe. Because people yes. in New York wear shoes. Good job, Dave. I choose shoe. No, it's the bomb card we lose. Great. Table. So code names. Two thumbs up. <laughs> Uh, I give it a thumb up. Okay. I give it a thumb up. I enjoy the game, but I enjoy half of the game. <laughs> there you go. And so I give it a thumb up. Unbiased opinion, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I, for, I It is my personal review. My personal review is one thumb up. Just because I enjoy being a player mm -hmm. and... I want to enjoy being a spy master mm -hmm. and can't. Mm. And that's where Codenames failed me. And it's not the game itself as a failure. It is my friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's Everyone right. who's friends with Dave, you're all failures. You're all failures. No. Um, no, and if anything, the blame probably lies with me. <laughs> uh, I'm probably, you know, I just... I. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't think it's the game's fault. I just think it's me as a person. I just can't. I want to be a spy master, and I just can't enjoy it. <laughs> well, all in all, Codenames is relatively cheap as far as board board games go, and it's fun. So I would say pick it up at your local game store or online. Yeah. Uh, so Clue, moving on to Clue. our old game, Clue. Who or as it? it's known in uh, Europe, Cluedo. Or as it's known in <laughs> France. Cluedo. France? Cool. <laughs> no, that's Spanish. I tried to make a joke. It failed. Let's move on. All right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so Clue is almost like the archetype. Uh, not really. No, I was going to say it's kind of like, you know, uh, a role guessing kind of game, but it's not really. You're really just trying You're to. You're making this overly complicated. I am. <laughs> it's Clue, man. Go yeah, there's, th yeah, there's a bunch of items. There's a place. And there's people. <laughs> and you got to figure out who killed, like, the main dude who owns this mansion. Who was it? What did they use? Where did the crime take place? And it's just, that's it. That's, that's it. the game. And how the game works, I mean, you there's can't play it with two players. incarnations. You got to play it with more than two. It's got to <laughs> be at least three for it to really work. <laughs> um, cards get dealt out, so you have some of the clues. And then you move around a board and you go to different places and you ask people for clues that they have and you talk to people and you use powers of deduction and you attempt to figure out who done it. Mm -hmm. But it, I mean, like, it's not a fairly complicated game and yet overly challenging, I think, sometimes. <laughs> I don't know about you. Similar in the same lines that a lot of people make uh, I just feel silly like guesses. Every time I play Clue, I have to say, of like, Mm, let's say I've played Clue a hundred times. I don't own the game if you're looking for it. Jengus is eyeing my <laughs> games up on my game shelf. I don't own the game. Um, 
but of like maybe let's say I've played Clue a hundred times in my life, I would say ninety times. So ninety percent of that of the times that I have played Clue, nobody knows what the final thing is. Like they guess and they're completely wrong, and then everybody gets confused and they're like, "Wait, <laughs> wait, it was Colonel Mustard in the library with the candlestick? Why? Did- no." It, no, that doesn't make any sense. It's supposed to be Miss Scarlet in the kitchen with the revolver. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it. I always feel like people get ass backwards confused, mm-hmm. and they, and I I don't know. Like, it never. I rarely play a clean game. Mm. I played a couple clean games with um with Brendan, who I remember we played a couple clue games, and I I, I do remember Brendan would just like pull out the win, like perfect. But just I feel like every other time I play that game. Most of the time, I don't think I've ever run into that. I think most games I've played have been like someone comes to the answer perfectly. Perfectly. Wow, not me, man. Well, no, I mean like someone makes a guess. I mean, guesses happen, but like you're saying, like he would always get it. Like the only guess would be the guess. No, I mean like (laughs) he'd be the only one to get to to get it. Like like, and like, how do I explain it? I would think that I have. The answer. The answer. And by all means, based on the information that I thought I gathered properly, mm-hmm. should be the answer. And then it's not. Yeah. And I find that would happen. I find it happened more with less players in the game. Mm-hmm. More players in the game tended to be easier. I mean, it's because there's a lot more chatter. Maybe. Maybe a lot more, like, you know. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> uh, but I mean, you can kind of glean from their guesses what they know. Like, I wonder, do you think kids play Clue still? No. Well, I can't say that because is there an app? Maybe. Is there death with friends? <laughs> 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 well, there's like a million versions of. I Clue swear now. to God, hold on. I am copywriting that right now. <laughs> What is today's date that we were recording this thing? What is it? Uh, April 17th. Yeah, I'm copywriting the name Death with Friends. I'm never going to make it. I'm just copywriting it so others can't. Okay. <laughs> Rage ended. Continue. <laughs> uh, there's a million incarnations now because I know they made a Big Bang Theory clue. Um, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And you know, I don't even know if someone dies. I'm sure it's like someone <laughs> sat in Sheldon's seat, and you oh. have to find out who it is. I haven't actually played it, but I'd be like, Big Bang Theory is the worst thing to happen ever. <laughs> but, I don't uh, watch it. I, I I I boycott that show. But I think there's also like there's 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 a lot of clue. Um, do people still play it? Uh, I don't think people go out of their way to play it. I'm sure it's one of those things like, hey, I have Clue. Do you want to play? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't think it's like, flying off the shelves. I know Monopoly is still a thing because Monopoly, you know, was a retro game that we reviewed. But, you know, it's it's like people still know it. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. People still but play there's, it. There's, there's an app for there's it. Also like, there's also McDonald's. Yeah. There's also like... <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's also like... Um, People take that clue, and they kind of like make different games with it too. Um, I think there's a, a similar game. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me it's like it's similar to Clue, but it's more like you're investigating a murder across like a city, hmm. and uh, you're trying to guess where the murder occurred, so to speak. Um, and like 
you know. There, there are games similar in line to Clue. I know, but Clue is just so classic, and I feel like that's that's just something kids should know. And they do know. Just teach your kids. Play Clue with your kids. Isn't yeah. fun? Just buy it and just be like, let's play this game. Let's you know what play, they'll say? They'll oh, be like, shut up. The, the only I'm version on we have is Big Bang Theory Clue, though. I play that all the time. <laughs> I play Death with Friends. Don't you play? <laughs> and I'll be like, I'm going to... <laughs> I'm going to take that phone and I'm going to shove it into, into, your, into your chest cavity. Oh, my leave God. It there. <laughs> that poor child. <laughs> I just, I can't. Death with Friends. I'm, I'm just curious if Clue is uh, on the App Store. I swear, if you say there actually is a Death with Friends, I will, I will, I will, I don't <laughs> there, know. There are apps to solve Clue for you. So, you know, if you're playing Clue with someone, make sure they're not using their phone. <laughs> Cheating at Clue. Wow. <laughs> with a cell phone, within a smartphone. That would be something. And now I, I'm looking up death with friends because <laughs> I am curious. <laughs> and here we go. Nope. Nope. You still. It's still well, I have open. a feeling the the title gives the wrong message. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Almost undoubtedly. <laughs> I would call it clue with friends. Sweetie, what are you playing? Death with friends. <laughs> What? Murder with friends. No, I'm that playing murder. Murder with friends. That wouldn't be good either. That's that's good publicity. Who done it with friends? <laughs> Who done it with friends? Horrible psychopaths. The game. Um, all in all, Clue. It's good. I like it. I do too. Yeah, I would say you know if you have Clue, get Clue. Don't get Big Bang Theory Clue. Get don't cla- get Death with Friends. <laughs> get classic Clue and uh, play it. Because it's fun. But I may call it Death with Friends from now on. Yeah. If I if I get Clue, I may be like, let's play some Death with Friends. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> Two thumbs up? Two thumbs up. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's a good game. It's classic. Yeah. yeah. That's why they're classic board games. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening in. Yeah. That concludes episode three of You Shall Not Pass Go. Have a great uh, a great month, Have, and we'll check in. See you next month. Yeah. Uh, I think Gen Con's coming up. Maybe not in June, but I think July is Gen Con. Yeah. So we should have a lot of... So that's going to be... you know Maybe we'll hear some rumblings next month about what may or may not come out. Some uh, New York Comic Con is... Uh, the, the tickets are probably going to go on sale soon. Yeah. And I'm sure they're going to start to release information about that. Mm-hmm. That'd be a... Uh, I know PAX is next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it'll already have happened by the time you listen to this, but uh, who knows? Maybe there'll be some more information about Eldritch Moon from that or whatever the next. Yeah, no, Eldritch Moon will be the next thing you talk about. But uh, yeah, a lot of stuff. So look forward to it. See you guys next time. Yeah, bye. bye.